Hello, and welcome to the Federal Contracting Made Easy podcast, where we take the complex world of government contracting and break it into simple steps that any small business owner can master. Now, let me introduce your host, Nancy Byerly. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Federal Contracting Made Easy, where it's our goal to take the complex world of government contracting and break it into simple steps that anyone can master. We're on episode 89, and before we get started, I wanted to take a moment. I tried to do a live stream today because I wanted to tell you why the video wasn't going to be released, and it may not be released on time, but hopefully I'll get it done. The problem is the software that I'm using to record the video, it does a screen capture, and it also does a capture from the DSL camera, is not working. It will not take my DSL camera. Now, it'll take my iMac webcam, but I don't like the quality of the picture that it provides. So, until I can get this resolved, and I'm working with technical support most of this week, we're stuck at the place we are right now. So, please bear with me. The videos will be getting better as we go along. <clears throat> but I wanted, I wanted to take a few moments and explain that to you. And no, I couldn't get the video to work on the YouTube Live. I'm going to work on that. I'm going to try to get that set up to where people can actually see it. But I'm going to have to have a couple test people. So if you're interested in testing that with me, let me know. So last week, we walked through how to do an invitation for bid. Today, we're going to concentrate our discussion on a request for proposal. However, we are going to be mentioning an, um, a request for information and a request for quote. The request for quote and request for, for proposal are pretty much similar, and so I'm not going to go into detail on the request for quote at this time. So if you remember on an invitation to bid, we you had to fill out some forms and send those in with the initials um, bid package and that or the proposal package, and that became your bid package to the government. However, it's not the same for a request for proposal or a request for quote. We're going to find and go into what's different in detail. So a request for proposal is a solicitation that outlines a problem or a requirement, and it asks small businesses to propose their methods for solving the problem or fulfilling the requirement. You will need to calculate all associated costs necessary to solve the problem or fulfill the requirement. So how does a request for proposal differ from an invitation for bid? We know that an invitation to bid requires you to fill out forms. Does that mean you don't have to fill out forms for a request for a proposal? Unfortunately, no, there's going to be one or two forms that you are going to have to fill out, but most of the proposal is you explaining to the government how you're going to meet the government needs. You're going to also provide documents. What kind of documents? Well, you may have to provide drawings, a bio on key personnel, any management plans, and any, and any other documents pertinent to the requirements. For example, if you're in construction, you may have to have a safety plan. You're going to have to demonstrate your capabilities. Show the government how you're capable of performing on this contract. Remember, you need to keep this proposal as simple and straightforward as possible. It must be concise, complete, and accurate. However, an RFP can drain your resources, 
Additionally, you're going to need to balance your current workload with your resources available to be able to bid on projects. So a request for a proposal is time consuming and you need to know that up front and you're going to have people tied up. So it's going to cost the business money. You're going to also have to have a way to evaluate solicitations for a bid, no bid decision. Remember, this all takes time. Once you submit your proposal, you're going to have to have some work coming in until such time as the government goes ahead and makes a decision. And that could be 30 days. It could be a day to 30 days to 60 days. Sometimes I've seen it take up to a year. I don't know why it does that, but sometimes I'm complex. So we talked about whether to bid or not. So that's called a bid, no bid decision. Let's talk about that for a minute. How can you decide whether to bid or not bid on a requirement? Well, the easiest way is to ask yourself some questions. Maybe you'll want to create a checklist of items and rate them to help you with your decision. With this in mind, pay attention to the solicitation. Is the solicitation a request for information or is it a request for quote or a request for proposal? So let's look at if it's a request for information versus if it's a request for proposal. If the requirement is a request for information, then the government is looking for market information. This is not a bid solicitation. The government's not asking you to provide a bid for that solicitation. Sometimes a request for information will become a requirement in the future, but not necessarily at this moment in time. So you, do you spend your time responding to a request for information or do you pass on it? Well, you need to respond to the request for information if you can, but you want to make sure that you're selective with the information that you provide to the government. Don't give away too much information. Make sure that you mark all information, proprietary information, or private if it is that. You don't want to give the government, you don't want to give the government full access to all that information without, if it's proprietary, without a disclaimer. So make sure you mark all the information considered private as proprietary. This statement will help protect proprietary information. If you fail to do so, the government can use that information as they see fit. Given that the information is the best to protect your company as much as possible, you want to make sure you protect it. In addition, you may want to contact your attorney and ask for what his recommendations for the exact wording to use. Now, does the requirement match the products or service that you provide? And that's probably the first question that you really need to ask. You don't want to be one of those companies that tries to bid on every solicitation that comes their way. These companies are hoping that they'll win sooner or later. It's kind of like they think it's like a lottery. I, if I put in 50 bids, I got 50 chances of winning. Well, not necessarily. Responding to every bid is great practice and it gets you familiar with all the government forms and everything, but it's not reasonable to do so. Remember that most companies only win one contract out of every 10 bids that they respond to. So make sure that it's in your wheelhouse before you spend the time and effort. If you write a proposal for every solicitation that you cross, your win ratio is going to be very high. Add this to all the time and resources that you've spent on writing these proposals and you can soon go broke. 
As I said earlier, you need to come up with a system to determine whether or not to bid on a solicitation. Next question you should ask yourself is, do you have the technical capabilities to perform the contract? Any requirement that you bid on needs to match your capabilities. If it does, then you need to look at the technical specifications. Does your business have the technical background to be able to bid on the project? If not, if you cannot provide or you don't have the technical background to perform the requirement, then pass on this solicitation. There are going to be other solicitations for you to submit a proposal on. On the other hand, don't fail to respond to requests for information that is a great match for your capabilities just because the solicitation appears to be written to a specific company or a specific technology. From time to time, the government may use parts of past solicitation for something they want that is similar. At the same time, if you can demonstrate that you can make or your service is the same thing, or perhaps even better, you have a great possibility of winning. Now here's a tip. You may come across a requirement that looks like it's specific to a particular company. Don't assume that that government wrote that requirement for that business. Remember when we talked earlier about that request for information, the government may have taken the information provided by that company and used it to help write their proposal because it basically said it better than the government could say so themselves. So if you can meet or exceed the requirement contained in the solicitation and scope of work, bid on the project. Now, are there any market considerations you need to be aware of? So let's get into those. If the request is something considered a new product to you, if so, then can you lever the, leverage this into more business by selling it to other customers? Above all, look at whether winning will cost you an existing contract or be at the expense of a different product lines or services. You don't want to stretch yourself too thin there. And for this reason, you may want to look at your current products and services and decide to eliminate one that is the least profitable from those in your business. Equally important, in other words, do you already have a relationship with the buyer? If Is it good or is it strained? Also, as you're working with the government's agency, you'll find that some agencies are just easier to work with than others. You may decide that it's not worth the hassle to deal with specific customers. I have numerous clients that will not work with a specific agency because they can be difficult. Also consider letting the customer go that is not worth the hassle that they give you. Life is just too short to put up with problem customers. I totally believe in the Peritato principle, otherwise known as the 80-20 rule. Basically, it means that 80% of the effects come from 20% of the causes. In other words, 20% of your customers' cause take up 80% of your time. Well, for me, that's at least how it is. Now, has the project been funded? This is an excellent point to keep in mind. If there are not any funds for the requirement, the government can't issue a contract. You do not want to spend a ton of time and resources on a proposal if the government has not funded the project. If you are told that there are reserve funds, the government can redirect those funds elsewhere and the project you are bidding on will go unfunded. So what happens if you elect not to respond to requests for information, but you've already talked to contracting officer? Go ahead and let them know that you're not going to bid on the project and the reasons why you decided to pass. 
that's a good way to keep customer relationships going. Next, we're going to talk about the steps to do before writing your proposal. And you've decided to bid on the RFP. Now what? Everyone that will be involved in writing the proposal should do the following before they even pick up a pencil or get on their computer to write. Reread that RFP. Then you want to outline the RFP section by section and decide who is responsible for responding to each section. Choose somebody that's really good at responding or has the knowledge to respond to that certain section. Next, you're going to create a proposed calendar with timelines, milestones, and due dates spelled out. Review the evaluation criteria that the buying office will use to measure the proposal. Ask the buyer or contracting officer if there's anything else that you need to know. And clarify any criteria that you don't understand. Make sure that you know all the points so that you can address every aspect in your proposal. Do this before you ever begin to write. Lastly, think like the evaluators. So you know the evaluators are going to have questions. So when you write your proposal, you're going to respond to the government's needs and also write the way the evaluator so you, you know you're going to answer any questions that they have. And we're going to go into that in a little bit more detail up next. Below are some of the standard criteria that evaluators may use in evaluating your proposal. So have you formatted the bid according to the instructions? If you haven't formatted that bid according to the instructions, then shame on you. The government's going to tell you how many pages every section can be. If you go beyond that, then the government's going to cut it off at that page. They're not going to read through a solicitation with 800 pages. They don't have the time. You need to be concise and to the point. If the project solution presented in the bid plausible, is that a really good, good way to solve the government's problem? Yes or no? Have you organized a proposal and is it responsive to the basic requirements? Did you follow the basic requirements? Is your delivery schedule acceptable? Have you demonstrated the capability to perform? Do you and your company have related experience? Has the company had past performance history? Is the company financially stable? Is their costing method accredible? Are the company's personal resources adequate? Have they created a bill of materials? And have you read all the evaluation factors? Remember that preparation is key. Any checklist or system that you can put in place to assist you now is going to pay dividends on future proposals. You can use some of the information from previous proposals on current projects. Just remember to use the same formatting the government is requesting on anything that you cut and paste. For instance, you're going to use the same organizational charts and business history. Resumes of key personnel are going to be the same no matter who or what you're bidding on. So you want to make sure that you use, make sure that they are in the format that the government is looking for. Don't make the mistake of concentrating just on the statement of work without looking at the evaluation section. Make sure that you spend equal time on both of those sections. Yes, the statement of work may state the requirement. The evaluation section may have a statement in there that the requirement has to be delivered by so-and-so date. You wouldn't know that if you responded to the other, and you need to have that date in your proposal. So make sure that you go back and spend time on both sections. You need to be as familiar with the evaluation factors as you are with that statement of work. 
Now, we've talked about analyzing your competition prior. We talked about a SWOT analysis. For you, those of you that don't remember, SWOT stands for Strength, Weaknesses, Opportunities, and Threats. You need to do that on your competition. You're going to gather that information and you're going to review any information you can find on your competition. It is easier to com- to communicate to the government how superior your products or services are if you're familiar with the features and benefits of the competition. Include any information on subcontractors as well. Now I'm going to include a proposal outline. This will be in the show notes for those that are on the podcast. It starts off with an executive summary, an introduction, benefits of proposed solutions, your organization experience, and so on. You can see it on the screen. Let's go on to the next page. If you need to write this down, I'm going to have it in the show notes. I'll have it in in a way for you to be able to get to my website and download it. Tip. If your proposal shares proprietary information, include a proprietary notice in your proposal. This notice should be on a separate piece of paper at the beginning of the proposal and should read something along the lines as the following. This proposal contains confidential information on XYZ Company, which is provided for the sole purpose of permitting the holder of this document to evaluate the proposal to blank agency. In consideration of the receipt of the proposal, the buyer agrees to maintain the enclosed information in confidence and not to reproduce or otherwise disclose any information to any person outside the group or team directly responsible for the evaluation of its contents. And make sure that you have that looked at by your attorney also. That's it for this today's episode. I broke this into two spots because if I did it in all one, it would be over 30 minutes, and I don't like 30-minute videos. Please remember to subscribe, like, comment, review our videos to others, and a special thank you to all our new subscribers. Until next time, as always, be safe.